heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning, it's Friday the 27th of May and you're listening to Ben Dobbin on Rural Queensland today. A very good morning to everybody listening to us through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. A very good morning to you. We're going to catch up with Susan McDonald. We're going to step you through the Payne Huss issue. We'll also talk with Sterling Fearon, the President of the Tambo Camp Draft and we'll catch up with Michael Pugh from Claremont who's a about to take on a huge challenge raising money for the Queensland Council Foundation. So, so much to get through on this busy Friday morning. It's rural Queensland today. You're with Ben Dobbin. You can go and go to Wooshka anytime you like or catch up anytime with me. You can email me ben.dobbin at ruralqldtoday.com.au. So much to look forward to. This is rural Queensland today. Let's get into it. Senator Susan McDonald joins us next. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Well, it's Friday and the dust has settled a little since the election last Saturday. Senator Susan McDonald joins us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Good morning, Susan. How are we? Uh, good morning, Ben. bit battered and bruised, but, um, you know, the world goes on. Yeah, we talked to you Monday in the wash-up and then obviously we had a chat to David Littleproud a little later. And this week um, has m- more been about, you know, testing the waters in what the government is going to do. They're yet to make any ministry announcements of significance in the agricultural sector, but the roads do point that potentially Bill Shorten could be the Ag Minister. That, to me, that's scary, and we won't know the full the full picture till next week. What's your take on and the, your ear to the ground? Is that the way that they're leaning at the moment? Well, that's still the best information that I've heard in the absence of anything, really. It's been a bit of a deafening silence. and. You know, that does worry me because we expect expertise from uh, ministers and departments uh, in the areas they operate in. And, you know, the agricultural industry, whether you're talking about uh, beef and horticulture and uh, and cropping in the north or, uh, you know, other livestock and, and other industries in the south, we've got to think about manufacturing um, of, of uh of agricultural products, of workforce, of uh, seasons and, um, you know, all the, the many things that go to making the government regulations a supportive framework for farmers and graziers to get on with the job of doing world's best practice here in this country. Yeah. In the absence of hearing anything from Labor, you're left to wonder, you know, if they're looking around the room and saying, God, has anybody ever had a veggie garden? Um, and that's, <laughs> I fear deeply that that is where we're getting to. We have some real challenges uh, in the world at the moment. Um, biosecurity is the one that, that probably keeps us all awake the most. Uh, but market access, you know, our trade relationships, whether they be with our premium markets uh, in Europe and further north in Asia, or where we feed people who cannot afford electricity or have religious requirements that they want to have live export meat uh, in Africa, uh, in the Middle East and in uh, our north neighbours in Indonesia, Vietnam and so forth. These are very important discussions to be having. They're not ones to be made in Canberra. They're discussions to be had with our neighbours uh, as we go around. And I see Penny Wong's off in the Pacific Islands. Let's hope that she remembers uh, how important our trade relationships are 
uh, in, in, you know, as I said, Indonesia and Vietnam and the Middle East uh, as she's getting around. All right, let's talk about some of these policies that they're coming up with and the concern. The, the ag visa policy, which which the coalition brought forward, looks like it's going to be scrapped and they're going to bring their own version. Now, uh, to me, that's very, very dangerous. The Labor government wanted to pay all, all but $300 of the airfares to bring over Pacific workers. Um, it, it, the reforms would also make it easier for Pacific workers to fill labour shortages it's very, very clear that they don't have a full understanding of this, you know, ag visa program. And the climate change is the one that we are really worried about and the land clearing. Yeah, that's exactly right, Ben. So if we just stay with the agricultural visas for a moment, you know, once again, uh, this this very um, single dimension discussion, as if agriculture is a a low-skilled or a semi-skilled um, industry. Uh, in fact, it is quite the reverse. We expect people who work in agriculture to have a, a ridiculously broad range of skill sets, you know, going from uh, small motors and fencing, animal welfare, um, uh, land management. Uh, we expect people to have this huge range of skill sets. Uh, and so the Pacific Island Scheme, which is incredibly suitable for specific tasks like uh, picking fruit, um, uh, getting crops off, that is that is a really good match. But what we're looking for is people who have worked in feedlots, have understandings of uh, animal welfare requirements in piggeries who, you know, and I've just picked out a couple. Uh, we, we know that the trucking industry um, who are transporting our agricultural wares also need skilled drivers. Uh, these are the examples of the sort of um, semi-skilled and skilled workforce that we were hoping to attract from Indonesia, Vietnam, uh, the Philippines and these other countries. The fact that Labor doesn't understand that really worries me if they think that the unskilled workforce that's coming from the Pacific Islands is going to fill that gap. So, you know, we're going to have to go through industry is going to have to go through an education process because, you know, I've been trying for the last three years and they really can't understand what I'm saying, that this is this is a highly skilled industry. We need more workforce into our regions, particularly as we grow, you know, from an $80 million a billion dollar industry to a $100 billion industry. And, and again, remember, this is not about dollars. This is about feeding people. The most important job that we can have as humans is to grow food and fibre to feed ourselves and our neighbours. And, you know, I don't think there's, there's we, we should be holding back on any investment or uh, any policy settings to make sure that we can do that. Yeah, unreal. Now, I've got to talk about your own party. The, the, the murmurs are, Susan, that there's going to be a challenge for Barnaby's role. And, uh, you know, and, it, and it's, it's well documented. I mean, uh, should we be concerned about that or is this just – Sometimes um, after an election, there there is obviously people with not agendas, but that would like to see some change. And this is just the natural progression in a party. Yeah, it's it's an interesting discussion. And um, while I don't want to be reflecting on what you know other people's decisions might be, um, it is normal practice that after an election, all roles are declared vacant. So. You know, it's it's not a spill in the ordinary sense where somebody comes and taps the leader on the shoulder. This is all jobs are declared vacant and uh, and everybody gets to have a crack. 
Uh, when I woke up on Monday morning, I thought this is all a bit too depressing. And so um, I, I waited till later in the day to start thinking about what are the jobs that I have to do to hold Labor to account on funding for Northern Australia, for regional roads, for um, you know the, the final sealing of the Burke Development Road, the, you know all the things that I've talked to you about over the last three years. I've got to be holding them to account on that. And then when I realised that there might have been more people than Barnaby wanting to have a crack, um, you know, it's really set me back on my heels because we did incredibly well. We held 16 seats uh, across the nation. Um, we successfully transitioned seats. Uh, so when all around us people were losing their minds and voting for Greens and Teals and uh, Independents and One Nation and whatever, we held our seats because yep. as a national party we have been able to be very clear about what it is what we that we do, how we're focused and the, and the people and the team. So this week, um, nobody has officially put up their, their hand to say they are running apart from uh, Barnaby Joyce. Uh, but I assume that by the time we get to Canberra on Monday, um, there may be some names. Um, and, you know, when that's firmed up, I guess we'll have a decision to make. But, you know, I think our job is not to make a big fuss about ourselves. It's not about um, personal ambition. It is about, as a team, delivering for the parts of the country that don't have big populations, that don't have a lot of representation, that don't have senators generally living there, uh, that are reliant on House of Reps members going to Canberra, slogging away and making a noise for, you know, crucial infrastructure projects, uh, more doctors, more um, childcare places, uh, more more uh, allied health, um, you know, more housing. These are the nuts and bolts of what makes regional Australia work. I'm keen that we're looking to the future, that we're talking about economic zones, that we're talking about securing Northern Australia, which is our most geographically uh, underdeveloped, but also the most prosperous part of the country where, you know, if there are other nations in the world looking to expand, looking to have more rare earths, looking to increase their agricultural production, Northern Australia is the place they'd want to be. And so, you know, um, that is what I'll be focusing on is who is the team that is going to ensure that we deliver on that. If there was a challenge, and it's a hypothetical, that obviously then poses for you to have a long, hard think about whether or not you need to, to support the challenger or, or – or, and it's for everybody. I've spoken to plenty of your constituents from the National Party and they've all said no one's actually coming out on the record and saying who they're prepared to back because no one actually knows who's going to challenge. But it's not just a lock that Barnaby Joyce will be the, the leader of the National Party moving forward. I, I couldn't tell you what everybody's thinking. I've certainly spoken to a few of the other members, um, but I've also been I've been more interested to speak to uh, people who live in the regions and asking their advice on who is the person that you think will best lead us into, um, you know, opposition. Uh, the next three years are going to be tough. Uh, we're going to uh, find out what it's like to be Bob Catter going to Canberra and having to do ridiculous stunts and stand up and make a big noise in order to get some notice. Um, I I very much enjoyed being part of government where I could go to a minister and say, I need this and having them deliver that. So, you know, three years of opposition is going to be tough and we need somebody who's got the, 
you know, the smarts and the and the street fighting skills and and the gravitas to uh, take the party and all the members forward um, in order to achieve that for the people we represent, not for ourselves. Great to chat. I'll talk to you next week. I think no, no, I'm, I, I, this is me and I'm talking to you and, Senator, you don't have to talk. I think we'll have a new leader by the end of next week for the National Party. That's just my 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 gut and uh, the conversations that I've been having throughout the course of the week. But anyway, I understand where you sit and you can't say anything about that and we'll talk to you next Friday as usual. It's always a pleasure. I just do know that you won't be running. That's what I, I probably would say that that's a fair summation that you won't be challenging Barnaby Joyce yourself personally. Well, I'm a, a senator, the leader of the party. It has always to comes be to the, the House of Reps. Reps. I understand. Yep. So, uh, so uh, there you go. That's that's one thing I can tell you for certain. I won't be running. See you later, <laughs> Susan. Have a terrific day. Well, tonight the Brisbane Broncos take on the Gold Coast Titans and one of the biggest stories in rugby league as we speak is the story that broke yesterday around the requesting of a release of Payne Haas to leave the Brisbane Broncos effective immediately. This was meant with a strong denial, straight up and refusal from the Brisbane Broncos. Their official statement was really, really very, very strong in the sense that um, they absolutely 100% categorically have said that he's contracted to the Brisbane Broncos until the end of 2024. The club will not be entertaining a release. It remains in ongoing discussion with Payne's management about what the next phase looks like for him at the Broncos. That includes ongoing dialogue about an extension to his current contract. So here's what we know so far about Payne Haas. This year, he is contracted to the Brisbane Broncos for $750,000 a year. Next year, it's eight fifty, dollars and in 2024, it's 950000 This is a prop that's won the best and fairest at the Brisbane Broncos three times, three years in a row, and is an outstanding footballer. But he has a checkered past, and he has made mistakes off the field, and he's been suspended and fined more than any other Broncos player who's currently in this squad. He believes that somewhere he's being underpaid with the money that he's currently on. And he's had a dispute with his former management. They've banded up in court and they've had some real strong dialogue around what is going on. So the Broncos were aware of this and they've made an offer to him that they feel is quite fair. They've offered him uh, an extension to the end of 2027 to try and lock him up and also a figure that would be close to a million dollars a season from the beginning of next year. A million dollars a year. This is for a footballer. This is for a front rower. And clearly that is not enough. For Payne has to knock this back would say and suggest that there might be a better offer somewhere else. That offer is yet to become clear. Yesterday, After the captain's run, which he was present at, I was there watching them do the captain's run, he then filed, his management filed for a release. This is the day before a game of football. To me, it was as selfish as it gets. And I'm not calling pain selfish. I'm saying the process around it and the potential destabilising of this is quite unbelievable. I'm sick to death of the constant drama that goes with a player and asking for a release. Whatever happened to signing a contract and being done with it? Payne Haas next week is going to be named in the origin side. Why didn't his management wait till Monday when the Broncos had a bye 
instead of potentially destabling his whole team as they go for their seventh straight win tonight against the Gold Coast Titans. It reeks. It absolutely reeks. And it's caused a lot of angst within the club. I've spoken to the head of football, Ben and I've spoken to the coach, Kevin Walters. I've spoken to teammates and his captain, Adam Reynolds, and all of them are on different pages. The head of football, Ben Iken, is one of the smartest individuals in the game of rugby league. And all he would say to me was that this is a very complex issue and that they are working through every detail. He wouldn't disclose whether or not they were confident of re-signing him. He wouldn't disclose whether or not he's going to be there long term, but he said it's complex and they're working through it. In these moments, I trust Ben Iken and, and his thought process around it. But I don't know how Payne Huss could have looked his teammates in the eye. I don't know how he can look at them and say, hey, I'm ready to go for a fight. Now, I understand the theory behind it, people saying, well, they only have a small window, yada, yada, yada. Well, that's just not the case. At $750,000 a year this year, he has well and truly been compensated. Is it the best money ever? Probably not. Did he feel that he's been blindsided by his former manager? Yes. Is there grief there? Yes. But the bottom line is it will never, ever, ever end well for the Brisbane Broncos. A trainer thought from one senior coach was that they need to to get rid of Payne Huss almost straight away because he's toxic for the club. But maybe, just maybe, Kevin Walters and the culture that he's building at the club and maybe just potentially the way they go about this could be seen as a completely different way and that they might just be able to rectify this whole situation. I'm disappointed for Kevin Walters because I know how much he loves the club and the blokes around it and how important it is that they try and get this back on track. Brisbane need to continue winning. They are doing a phenomenal job. They've won six straight and they're going for seven in a row. Then they head to the bye. There will be nine wins in, 12, in, in, 13, in 13 weeks, and that's a really good result, a really good result. Yes, they've had some dramas, no two ways about it, but for everybody, this is the stepping point for the Brisbane Broncos to see them try and make the eight again. And is Payne Huss their best forward? Yes, he is. Is he the long-term uh, captain? Probably not. Does he think he's worth more money? Yes, he does. So somewhere in between, there has to be a resolution. But I say this, what is it that there is always dramas with this bloke? Why is it that he signed a contract five years ago and now he wants out of it in an upgrade? And when he does get the upgrade, it's not enough. So it's down to money. Money as a rugby league player. It's come down to that. I understand the small window that they get. But seriously... In the whole scheme of things, what Payne Huss has done and his management have done in the last 24 hours has been nothing but short of dreadful. It failed the pub test. So tonight, does Payne Huss get booed when he runs out? Potentially. Is it going to upset a lot of people? Yes, it is. And the narrative will be there for everybody to see. Interesting times ahead for the Brisbane Broncos. I just feel for Kevin Walters and the coaching staff and Ben Iken and the management.
Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. The Tambo Camp Draft um, was relocated um, to Georgina Pastoral's Cordovale Station last weekend due to the threat of the wet weather and all roads led there. Uh, Sterling Fearon is the president of the Tambo Camp Draft and he joins us uh, a week after it's done and dusted. I suppose relief, mate, is one word because of, you know, off the back of a few years with COVID and, and, and different situations and and just some of the trials and tribulations, and then to have the weather be a factor, the fact that you could shift it and get it underway and, and make it happen and possible, there's a lot of relief for the community and for yourself, no doubt. Absolutely, Dobbo. Yeah, no, we were very fortunate to have an alternative uh, venue close by, being Caldervale. Yep. Um, yeah, Caldervale's run by Angus and Kimberley Rains, and Angus is the outgoing president uh, of 10 years, um, and Kimberley was the Treasurer for, treasurer for the last six years, so they've 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 been the backbone of the committee. Yeah, unreal. So, mate, talk to me about these things. Just don't happen, and, and communities like Tambo or Camp Ralph so important. But so many people, you know, were instrumental in making sure that this this got off the ground, that it happened, that it was sponsored. I mean, you don't you don't have these kind of events without huge community support and. The town and the businesses came really front and centre. I mean, some of the some of the money that the prize money that was up and the sponsorship was just next level at the Tambo Camp Draft. Yeah, we were very lucky, Dobbo, to have um, such terrific support. And I mean, at the end of the day, none of this would have been possible without the the support and generosity of Peter and Jane Hughes from Georgina Pastoral Company. Um, obviously, they've they've donated the cattle for the Tambo Draft for the last ten years. You know, it's roughly fifteen hundred head of cattle a year, so that's a that's a massive um, uh, uh, support. And um, yeah, it's just just the way the the community pulled together. And we've got a you know got an amazing committee. It's only a small committee of uh, yeah six couples, but we all pulled together and um, yeah get, get the job done. It was just so good to to be able to get it done um, with the alternative venue. Yeah. Uh, uh, unreal. Um, Jack Dowling from Concurry made the trip, taking out the Clemwells Memorial Double K Contractors Maiden Camp Draft, which is just huge. It's Peter, Peter Dowling's son, and that's a great, a great. I mean, it's in his bloodline. Peter and Susan Dowling. It's in Jack's bloodline, so that was good. And the PJH Livestock and Property Maiden uh, for Maiden. Adam Kite is that how I pronounce? You know, and Hank yep. took out the uh, honours and. The obviously Georgina Pastoral restricted open. Augustella's Jock Weston and Roxy were victorious, and in a runoff with Brendan Harrison. So Kylie McPhee from Charleville and her homebred stallion Victor continued consistent form, winning the rural property and livestock novice camp draft. And the Nutrient Ag Solutions Ladies was won by Laura Comiskey from Alpha, which was really really important. So. Obviously, um, the, your family, mate, yourself, you sponsored the mini camp draft. That was won by uh, Mickey Kiel from Springshaw. And Rowan Harrison, yep. Brendan's son, claimed his uh, claim first and second in the juvenile camp draft. So that was a good result as well. Artie Rains winning the junior um, uh, the junior draft. So it was, a, it was a big weekend. So what happens now, mate? Where where does everybody head to? Like, obviously, there's a lot of, lot of camp drafts going on. Like, there's... You know, Charters Towers, Kuya, Camel, which speaks volumes, this sport. I mean, your nominations you would have thought would have been just absolutely pumped. It's very, very difficult to fit everybody in. That's right. We, we were sitting at about 1,400 noms um, while we were proposing to have it at Tambo. Um, obviously, a lot of people got nervous with the weather. 
and we did have a lot of scratchings. Um, but we, we came back to a number which was manageable out of Calderville. Um, yeah, but as you say, they're just all firing up now. So we'll go to Blackwell in a couple of weeks. Um, and then, then there's a bit of a northern run that'll get going. So, um, no, there's plenty on, that's for sure, Dobbo, yeah. Mate, talk to me about um, the town of Tambo. I mean, there's been some, you know, it, it, it's been dry. I mean, but things have changed. Like, obviously, seasonally, it's a lot different now as you head to the to the winter. But it, off the back of COVID, off the back of so many other, you know, contributing factors, are, are things starting to pick up? Yeah, definitely. Yep, yep. No, we've been very fortunate to have that early November rain, which, um, you know, we we start seeing, you know, a lot of Flinders grass, and a, um, it was great to get a get a body of feed going. Then we had a, a fairly dry January, February, March, but April was terrific. You know, four or five inches over the month spread out, very good growing, uh, growing rain, and um, and we've had good rain in May. Not 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 big, you know, big flooding rain, but just good good grass growing rain, and it's still quite warm. Um, no doubt we've we've got a frost around the corner, but. Um, no, it's definitely evident in the community that things are turn, that turning around and, um, you know, there's a, a real optimistic uh, outlook there. Yeah, beautiful. Hey, mate, great to chat. Um, obviously, everybody, you, you guys are, will be part of other camp drafts, but it's bloody great that Tambo was able to um, get it off the ground. And, and a big thank you to Georgina Pastoral's uh, Cordoval and Angus Rains. Small world, eh? Small world. I remember meeting yourself and Angus Rains at the Renner Springs Camp Draft. I don't know how many years ago that was, but Jesus Christ, <laughs> it, was, right. it was a long, long time ago, I can tell you. I reckon 1998 maybe. Um, anyway. Yep. No, that'd be yeah. <laughs> unreal, unreal. And look what the, the, the merry-go-round goes round. Great to chat. We'll catch up again. Thanks, Dom. I will talk to you soon. Good yeah. on you. Sterling on. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. So good that Tambo was able to get underway last week despite the imminent um, rain that was predicted and they changed locations and it was done and dusted. This is Rural Queensland Today across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Friday, the 27th of May, you're with Ben Dobbin on the Resonate Broadcast Network. On Rural Queensland Today across the Resonate Broadcast Network, Claremont local Michael Pugh joins us this morning. Michael, good morning. How are you? Good, thanks, mate. How are you going this morning? Really, really well. Big weekend um, this weekend. An effort to continue uh, to increase awareness and raise much-needed funds for the Cancer Council of Queensland. Yourself and Townsville-based uh, Wes Griffin will attempt to hike the entirety of a rugged and remote, beautiful volcanic peak ridge on a cross-country off-trail. I, I, I mean, mate, seriously, I mean, there's plenty of things people do. <laughs> <laughs> to raise money, there's cake stores. Why, why, I mean, why would you put your body through? I understand the, 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 the reason behind it, but there's just so many other ways to raise money. Mate, we're avid bushwalkers and hikers and we've, um, you know, we look after the towns of Hike and Explore and Central Queensland Hike and Explore social outdoor communities and we love our outdoor hiking and bushwalking, so why not, um, you know, use what we love doing to, to um, help raise money for others? And although this will be a big challenge, um we need to set the bar high for such an important cause. So, look, I think it's um, the community got behind us massively. And uh, to answer your question, others will see it as a, it's as crazy, but we see it as just doing what we love to help others out, mate. Well, let's talk about the Gemini Peaks and Wolfgang Peaks in the north, and what you're actually trying to trying to achieve. The, the hike detail it, it, it is quite unbelievable. Um, yeah, I mean. You're going to get to Lord's Table Mountain. Um, it, it's a huge, huge walk and a huge challenge. Can you step us through 
exactly what you'll be attempting from tomorrow? Well, look, we last year we hiked 71.2 kilometres in 19 and a half hours through the Drummond Range, um, and we wanted to set ourselves even a, a bigger challenge this year. And given the um, the terrain and the distance and the different sort of complexities in organising an event such as this in central Queensland, we had our mindset on the peak range. So we needed to get our permission of 12 different uh, property owners uh, to hike through their property tomorrow. And we set ourselves the challenge of hiking north to south on the peak range. So back in 1865, Leichhardt and his um, crew of explorers, they traversed the uh, peak range from south to north. So we're sort of following his footsteps, I guess, but the opposite direction um, in an attempt to cover that entirety of the peak range. And Another reason why we like the Peak Range is because since we've um, since I've been out here anyway, the last eighteen months it's been my favourite um, hiking and exploring location there amongst those volcanic peaks and formations. So um, to design a trail of that distance, um, you know, you need some some pretty um, a, a large sort of section of land. And we thought, well, why don't we um, why don't we try and do the do the entirety of the range in one hit? So yeah, it's a big, that's how big it began. from a from a danger level. How how does it sit? Well, look, I mean, there's always dangers involved with any outdoor activity, and particularly, you know, obviously trying to bush, trying to uh, cover 90 to 100 kilometres across, you know, off-trail across central Queensland. But we, we carry all the, the appropriate safety gear and uh, locator beacons and uh, bits and pieces with us. We're, we're comfortable with it. We've got all that covered. We've, we've both been hiking for many, many years and done, you know, some of the, the longest sort of off-trail hikes across Queensland. But... Um, in saying that, we're also lucky that in the throughout the peak range, there's a lot of property uh, homesteads and houses, and they've um, you know they've all got patchy phone signal. So we've hiked a lot of different locations through the range, so we should be lucky to, to have enough phone signal across the weekend in different spots to make a few calls and post a few updates on our Facebook page. So oh, that that'll be pretty handy compared to last year where we didn't have phone signal for the entire weekend. Yeah, that that doesn't go down bode well for the people who you're leaving behind when you go for a walk like that, um, Michael. Weather conditions this weekend. I mean, it's starting to get cold. Claremont traditionally can be awfully cold. Um, you yeah. know, nights aren't going to be that easy for you. Yeah, look, well, we've made the we, – we've got a couple options there. So the the, the goal is, is to hike uh, – we've got a, a dinner put on by the Cancer Council in Claremont at 6 p.m. on the Sunday. So as long as we're back by that time, yeah. um, you know, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be sort of – we'll be happy. The temperature is looking at um, being well below 10 in, in the night time and in the early morning, so we're looking at sort of 5 to 10 degrees there out in the range, which isn't actually isn't too bad, as you said, for this country out here. It gets a lot colder than that out there. Um, but we we, we, could, we make the decision whether to either hike it continuously or have a break. Um, you know, we've got a support crew from Townsville that we're very grateful for that's come out here to, to help us for the weekend and sort of be that point of call if we decide that there's a, a point late tomorrow night or or the early evening or tomorrow night, depending on how many kilometres we clocked up, that we may sort of want to pitch, put down a couple of swags and, and um, have a couple of hours sleep before we get up again Keep on on Sunday. Or, yeah. yeah, or we may choose to go and do it continuously. But the problem with that is, is that if you hike continuously for that amount of time through the uh, through the range, you know, you hike a lot of the most beautiful parts of the southern and mid-sections of the range in the dark, so you don't get to share that experience with people. People will be asleep, and, you know, and we like to post updates and let everyone know what we're doing when we can, and... So no, we've got some options there, but um, the weather I think will be the least of our least of our problems. I think we're, we're uh, we've had a fair bit of rain out here over the last um, not necessarily this week, but the last few weeks. So we're hoping that a lot of that black soil country's dried out a bit because it is quite treacherous to try and hike 
off trail across that country when it's um, you know when it's had a bit of moisture on it because oh, as, yeah, you, like as you know it just turns into a big big yeah. black bog. Yeah, <laughs> it's not easy. Talk, talk to me about um, the kind of money that you have attempted to raise, and obviously with the dinner on Sunday night in Claremont. Um, that'll be the culmination and, and you can't really gauge the figures. But what was your initial goal to raise funds for the Council Council? Well, last year we set our – well, look, firstly, a massive thank you and, and um, appreciation to our Claremont uh, Townsville and regional communities. They have been um, – we've received overwhelming support again from the community, our local business, you know, particularly after the tragic passing of our late Senator Lynn Jones here out of Claremont last year. Um, that we dedicated that hike and this hike too as well. And, and since then, we've tragically had another two of our locals just out of Claremont alone here that have been diagnosed since our last hike in October with um, with some pretty serious cancer-related disease. So we've dedicated it then we've, to all those people and family and friends of those that have, that have been touched by this disease. But the, the support has been overwhelming. Last year, we set ourselves a target of $500 and we raised um, just under $8,500 for the Cancer Council. Queensland. This year we set our goal of $5,000 and as it sits at the moment, I think we're just about sitting a tiny bit under $6,000 raised. Um, the majority of that having come through in the last um, in the last week. So look, we're, we're very grateful as are our friends over at the Cancer Council and um, you know we're confident that that money will go to, you know, to, to a good cause and, and be sort of a huge part in helping uh, many people that have been touched by this horrible disease. Yeah, unbelievable. Really appreciate your time. Best of luck. Um, I think it's awesome that you're doing it. Uh, I, well, we might even check in on Monday, but um, and also to the town of Claremont for holding this um, over the course of the weekend, a f- phenomenal effort that you're going to set out to achieve. Thanks so much for being with us, Michael Pugh. Best of luck, and I hope you get your money raised and everybody. Can, can people follow the track on like a Facebook? Or how do people follow it? So if they want to follow what we're up to, they can jump on. Um, there's a couple of ways, and they can still donate. By the way, so we're still taking donations up to and after the event. So if they get on the get on Google and search "Do It for Cancer" or the Cancer Council Queensland website, and then look up the um, just search for the Central Queensland Charity Hike, it'll pop up there eventually on the Do It for Cancer site. Or <clears throat> excuse me, or the uh, Cancer Council have also set up a Facebook page which is called Central Queensland 90 to 100 Kilometre charity hike for Cancer Council Queensland and all the links to donate are on there. The page, however, that we will be posting all our updates to will be the Facebook page on uh, the Cancer Council 90 to 100 kilometre Central Queensland hike page. So that's where they'll all go and people are more than welcome to follow us. Really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Not a problem. Thanks for having us. Good on you. Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin across rural Queensland today. That's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland today. Have a great weekend. Best of on tomorrow morning. Ray Hadley joins you next. Have a cracking weekend, Queensland. We're back Monday from 9. Till then, it's bye for now.